0: Is he worthy? (laughs) Is he worthy? Of blessing and honor and glory. Of every ounce of praise that we can muster with our lives. Is he worthy? I'll tell you. I would tell you there's nothing more worthy. Nothing more worthy. There are those who stood with us and prayed with us and worshipped with us and sung these songs with us who this week have gone to glory. And they would tell you He most definitely is worthy of everything that we can offer Him in praise and worship. And so let's not Let's not wait till we get to that side of glory, to glory, to give Him glory. Amen? Amen. That's what an intentional church does. That's what an intentional church does. We have been in the midst of uh, a sermon series uh, based on uh, reaching our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is born out of the heart of our pastor, Brother Fred, as he, was, as he recovered from his surgery and laid there and he couldn't do anything but hold on to God. Well, if you know, Brother Fred, that's, for Bre- Brother Fred to sit still and not do something is a big deal. And born out of that, he realized well, this church, this representation of the of the, of the church big C. That's the little our church little C. Here First Baptist Church. And these beautiful mountains of. Blue, the Blue Ridge Mountains. That what we're going to do. Is we're going to be intentional. About reaching our community. With the gospel of Jesus Christ. And out of that. All that heart. And all of that prayer. And all that sitting with us. Came this analogy. To. To help refocus. What we should have been doing based on Matthew 28 all along in the in the Great Commission, this the spear. And I want to just go through that spear with you one more time. Because I know I I, I know I, I I share it every week. And I and I'm gonna just say it again just when I think that I can't share it again. That if I have to share this one more time. My head's gonna explode. That's when, that's about the time people start saying, Oh, yeah, the spear, yeah. So let's go through that spear one more time. Number one for us at First Baptist Church, we're gonna put the spear up, that analogy, up on the screens. The number one for us, the importance, of greatest importance, everything we must do as a church our knowing our being and our going must be about reaching the loss for Jesus Christ that is the point of our spear no matter who they are no matter what walk of life they are no matter what stage of life they're in whether they're a child or or a senior adult it does not matter We must be about reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no more important subject to be on the tips of our tongues and pouring out of our hearts than the gospel of Jesus Christ in a very lost world. That should be the point of our cross and what we uh, of our spear and what we understand here in our culture in the in this Western culture based on statistics. That if we don't reach someone, if a person is not reached with the gospel by the time that they're about 21 years old, then the percentage, the likelihood that that person comes to know Christ greatly dips. And so it becomes very, very important on the head of the spear than to reach families with children at home. Whatever that looks like. Some, this phenomenon in our culture now, we have grandparents raising their grandchildren right now. Hey, God bless you. God bless. Let us know how we can come alongside you. And your endeavor to do that. God bless you. So, so that's the vision. That's it. That's what we've got to be doing. Everything we do at church, we have to ask ourselves a question. How, in this meeting of this group of people, and whatever it is, whatever the group is doing, we must ask ourselves a question. How are we reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And if you can't clearly answer that, then you need to check the motivation for, the, for why you're meeting. Why you're doing what you're doing. Why we're doing what we're doing. So we went through, a, uh, uh, with bro- under Brother Fred's leadership, these things... This shaft of the spear, that you know, a a spearhead can't carry itself. It has to be carried by a handle, a shaft. And this is what we walk through as a church. We prayed, we we prayed as a church for God to give us an awareness of the loss. And unfortunately, so many of us insulate ourselves. We think the purpose of being a Christian is to never be around anybody that's not a Christian. And it couldn't be any farther from the Scripture! We ask God, please make make us aware of the people I see every day. Give me eyes to see them like you see them. They may not know you. Please show me, Holy Spirit, who it is in my life that doesn't know Christ. And if there isn't anyone, please forgive me. And give me a heart for them. Give me an awareness. Show me, Holy Spirit, next then, who it is I'm to be praying for. Who do you want me specifically to share the gospel with? I want to be praying for them. I want names. Show me. Show me who it is, Lord. Show me. Give me that passion. And then we talked about equipping one another with for, with gospel, for gospel conversations. We, we, talked, we, we showed you apps to put on your phone. We gave um, ways to engage people in conversation about the gospel. We, we walked through all the steps of how to load that on your device. And if, and if you don't have that, then we have, bro- we have tracks and things like that, but equipping one another for gospel conversations and there's no more important gospel conversation than telling your story. Telling your story. how Jesus intersected your life right where you were in your greatest need. And we, t- and we talked about praying about giving, God giving us opportunities to share our stories where we came to know Christ. Then there's this, this, uh, the equipping uh, um, our partnership with First Baptist Church where we provide opportunities for you then to bring, the, bring your friends who don't know Jesus to events and opportunities where they can hear the gospel and then respond. We talked about being what? Intentional. And when this happens, when we move like a, as, a, as a church, the way God has called us, the way Jesus commanded us, go therefore into all the world. P- preaching, making disciples, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All these things. As we do that, and as we act scripturally, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, our church can't help but grow because people will come to that. Th- that is the answer. That is the antidote to everything. Look, listen, we don't have marriage problems. Sorry, plant. We don't have marriage problems. We don't have financial problems. We don't have w- drug problem. whatever problem, pornography problems. Those are God problems. The, all of those things I've just mentioned are symptoms. And the world needs the gospel. Don't write me off as cheesy. Don't write me off as old-fashioned. If you're going to write me off of something, write me off for being biblical. This is what we're called to do. And a critical part of that spear, can you put that up one more time, please? A critical part of that spear that we have to remember Is the binding. The binding that holds the spear to the shaft. That's the moving from theory to action. See, it's fine and dandy to talk about all these things. We can say, go on, preach on, preacher, I'm against it. But when we're asked then to do something, that's when the problems occur. When we're asked to change, maybe. To make room for new believers to come and join us in worship. To be a part of that. That's when, people, when we get pushback. Look, the head of the spear falls off the shaft. If there's nothing there to hold it on. We have to move from theory to action. And that is the whole purpose of this part of the series, intentional church. As a church, we must be intentional. We must be intentional in our evangelism. We must be intentional in our discipleship. Now look, this is an ordered process. We must be intentional in our evangelism. The first step in discipleship is to the cross. We must then be intentional in our discipleship. Intentional in our worship. You know what we do, a lot of us do? We don't utter a syllable in God's direction. Not one time during the week. And we'll come into church on Sunday and expect Him to receive our worship as a fragrant offering. That's what we do. That's not intentional. must be intentional in worship. Do you understand in the book of Psalms, there are Psalms of ascent? These are the Psalms. These are the songs they sang way down the hill before they ever got in the temple. These are the songs they sang to get ready to be in the temple. They didn't sing these in the temple. It, they sing these down here to get ready. How are we in t- that intentional about our worship? We just want to come here and have it done unto us. Coming here for the show. And a bulletin's the program, not a worship guide. It's a program. Okay, let me get off that box. We must be intentional in our ministry. And we must be intentional in our fellowship. And it, all of this, look, y'all, listen. It's serious when I say, y'all, listen. Listen. It all begins with our relationship with Jesus. All of it must flow out of that. Our intentionality and our evangelism must be based on our relationship with Christ. Not out of some guilt that we have. Our, our, our intentionality and then discipleship must begin with our abiding in Christ. Our intentionality then and worship must begin out of a daily time that we have spent with the creator of the universe who knit us together in our wombs, in and, and, and our mother's wombs, and has, has a plan for us since before the foundation of the world. That God we get to sit with every morning or every evening and be in relationship with our worship comes from an intentional relationship with Christ our ministry then not we don't do ministry because we like to build things we don't do ministry because we like to cook things or make things or pray for things we don't do ministry because that's what we like we do that ministry because the love of Christ compels us to And I just happen to get to use the things that I like. Otherwise, then our fellowship and all of these other things are about us and not about a holy God. It has to be intentional. Last week, we talked about intentional fellowship in in terms of this is how you don't do it. Now, Brother Fred's going to come and he's going to share with us how we do fellowship that is biblical, that is intentional, and is based upon our relationship with our Creator God.
1: I'm always challenged if I can just get Derek excited about something, we can get them done. And we are so excited about this. This is no peripheral issue. This is the heartbeat of where we feel we are as a community of, of, of Christ right now. Fellowship is so integral. Fellowship is so integral important. It's not peripheral. It becomes so easy for us to think, well, worship is the main thing, or evangelism is the main thing, or. Uh, but it's all together. The early church was intentional about all the things that they did. Nothing happened just by happenstance or accident. They had a plan, and we see that plan unfolding in Acts chapter 2, if you want to be turning there, Acts chapter 2. The latter part of that chapter tells us so very much about what God was intentionally Planning. Let me remind you of the definition. We've been doing definitions all the way through this period of time where we understand what we're talking about. The definition of fellowship. It, is, it begins with our relationship with God and flows to our relationship with his children and that relates in a partnership for kingdom purposes. This is what fellowship is. It begins with our relationship with God. It spills over and flows over to our relationship to brothers and sisters in Christ and it results in a partnership for kingdom endeavors. That's what we're talking about by fellowship. Fellowship is not Christians getting together to have fun. Somebody gave me that definition a couple of weeks ago. I asked them what fellowship was. That's Christians getting together to have fun. I'm all about Christians getting together to have fun. Invite me. I want to be there. All right. That's not what Fellowship is, that's what is so critical. I want you to see three things that flow out of these these verses. I'm just going to hit three of the verses, look at verse 42, Acts chapter 2 verse 42. It says, "...and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers." For these four things, they continued steadfastly, devotedly. They gave themselves to these things. And among those were fellowship. Look at verse 44. And now all who believed were together and had all things in common. These are two words for together. Two Greek words for together. One is to be together in the same place. The one is to be together in the same heart and mind. And both of them are used here in this sentence about what the early church was. They were together together. They were together in one place and together in one mind. Look at verse 46. So continuing daily and in one accord, that's the same word for koinonia, fellowship. They uh, break in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house. they They didn't have one location. They had many, many locations. They did this. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And that's the Baptist text right there. They ate their food with gladness of heart. We do enjoy getting together to eat. There's an old saying anywhere two or three Baptists are gathered together, a chicken has to die. That that happens to be the truth, okay? Apologetically so. Here's three things I want you to bring out of these passages here in the latter part of Acts chapter 2. Three things. First of all, intentional fellowship calls us to Christ. Write that in on your notes. Intentional fellowship calls us to Christ. And we see that's uniquely there in verse 42. As we said last week, what makes fellowship fellowship is to start by fellowshipping with God in His Son, Jesus Christ. Everything flows out of that, okay? This is why fellowship is something only Christians can enjoy with one another, okay? You, you can have good friendship and you can have a good time gathering together with your group of friends and you all collect thimbles, Okay? That's what you do. That's your hobby. That's what you enjoy. And you get together and you show your latest acquisition. That is a great time of of, of community together. It's not fellowship. all right. Fellowship happens among Christians only as Christ is magnified in their midst. Okay? So it can happen anywhere. It can happen anytime. But it's focused on Christ. Okay? So when we get together for game night, But we have time to pray with one another, to plan that ministry outreach we're going to do together in Jesus' name. Then it's fellowship, because it's focused on the one that is central to us and central to why we're gathered together. You see, that's what makes it fellowship, because it starts out of being with Christ. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. He said, God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's where fellowship begins. It doesn't begin sitting across the table from somebody. It begins out of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, when you fellowship with Him, then you have something to share in fellowship with me. All right? This morning several times as I've moved around our, our, our congregation here today and sharing with people like Derek said earlier that had, have lost some loved ones this week. We have had two precious, precious folks go to be with the Lord just this past week. One, a young man in his prime. Another, a senior that has been serving this church for half a century or more. As, as I walked around the congregation, shared with you and shared with others about your loved ones, and, and we were sharing about burdens on our soul, wasn't it great to be able to, to just take a moment and pray? Just take a moment and share our concerns with one another. And to, that's, that's where the fellowship is. Because we're magnifying Christ. And how Christ is good to His Word. And we can always depend on Him. This is, this is so Integral. I want to read to you from 1 John chapter 1 for just a moment. And, and in the very first, uh, first words of this epistle that John wrote, as I get to it down to verse 3, you're going to really hear this. But I want to start at the beginning. Paul, uh, John writes, That which we was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, which our hands have handled concerning the words of life. He's talking about Jesus Christ right here the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Now look, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also, look, may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son Jesus Christ. You see how these two things come together? They're inseparable. Genuine fellowship with Christ is where it all begins. Now let me make this clear. I want you to have friendships with people that don't know the Lord. I want you to have friendships with people that are lost, that need to hear the gospel. Because out of that friendship will grow an opportunity for you to share your story and share the gospel of Christ. We're we're called to befriend people in this world. But being friends with the world gets us in trouble. There's a big difference right there. The Scripture tells us we're not to have any friendship with the world. But we're supposed to have friends in the world. We do that because then we have opportunity through those relationships to share with them about the Lord Jesus Christ. But we don't have fellowship with them. Not that we're holding them back from anything. But it's just impossible To have fellowship with somebody who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You can have a friendship, you can have some kind of a relationship, but you cannot have fellowship. That is reserved explicitly for those who know the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? That is integral for us to understand this. We have to be careful here. Paul writes to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Yoked, tied in too tight. With those unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness. And what communion has light with darkness. Let me tell you. When, when, your, when your friendship has gone too far. Is when that lost person. Begins to influence your spiritual values. When that lost person. Begins to influence your spiritual values. You have trusted in that friendship. More than you have trusted in Fellowship. Fellowship with believers in Christ, they're going to help you uphold those Christian values. They're going to hold you accountable to uphold those Christian values. But your lost people can't do that. Your lost friends can't do that. They can be great friends. You can share an awful lot together with them. You can go to, you can, you can go to the football game and holler and scream with the best of them. But fellowship only is with people who knows the Lord like you do. And that relationship is inseparable. It is your identity and who you are. If that person you have a friendship, you have a certain uncomfortableness right there when it gets around to talking about spiritual matters, you know what that is? That's God telling you, you can't have fellowship here. You've got to go have fellowship with those who understand these matters. And they've already given their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. It begins with our unity with Christ. Secondly, and this is so important, intentional fellowship calls us together. Intentional fellowship calls us together. Intentional fellowship calls us to Christ, that's the vertical dimension. But intentional fellowship calls us together. That's why we're here today. The early church had to gather together. You know, sometimes it was dangerous. Sometimes when they had their meetings where they gathered together, even if they were hiding in a cave somewhere, and even if they were singing very quietly, and even if they dared not bring uh, you know, a, a copy of one of Paul's letters or whatever with them. They always stood the possibility of being arrested, hung on a cross, just like Jesus, or thrown into the Colosseum with the lions. And yet they had to get together. They had to, because that was where they drew their lifeblood from, was the gathering together. That's why the writer of Hebrews would later say, "Don't, don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together as the matter of some is. That's where our strength comes from. Fellowship calls us together. Calls us to be in one family together. Now Jesus said this in Matthew 18, 20. He said, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. That's what identifies fellowship. Is Jesus in the midst of us? Is he's in the middle of us? He's in the middle of what we're doing at any point in time. That's what makes it fellowship. Because our fellowship with him is being magnified as we gather ourselves together. And this is why it is so important. Every opportunity you can, gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ. Gather together in small groups to study the Bible together. Gather together in ministry groups to be engaged in reaching out to the lost. Gather together in teams to go into our community and and do prayer walking or share with others about Jesus Christ. This is what God calls us together to be engaged with Him and one another in Christian enterprise in whatever it is he has going on. So fellowship first and foremost calls me to Christ and out of that relationship calls us together in fellowship because he is the nucleus. He is the nucleus. Consider any fellowship that you can think about. Uh, your Sunday school class party or whatever that, that you would want to call this a fellowship. Let me tell you what I said a fellowship. If right then at that point when we're gathered together, we magnify Christ. We recognize Jesus is here. Welcome, Lord. Come into our gathering here. Smile on all it is that we do. Join us in our laughter. Join us in our pain. Join us as we are engaged in ministry because you're in our midst. See, that's what makes it fellowship. That's what makes it fellowship because Jesus is in our midst. And we're magnifying that presence. That is essential. Now listen, this is going to get kind of, kind of wonky, so hold on, close. This third point is essential. Intentional fellowship calls us to care for one another. Intentional fellowship calls us to care for fellow believers. I'm not talking about lost people here intentional fellowship calls us to care for one another. Now, it's going to have an impact on a lost world, but hold on for that, I don't want to go there right now. The call to fellowship is a call to care for one another. In that early church, they were caring for one another. Part of what they did, those people who had an abundance were able to share with those who did not. Those who were safe Gave safety to those who were not. Those who were hurting those who were at peace were able to give them peace. You see what I'm saying? The fellowship together, they shared everything in common. They shared their hurts. They shared the fact that they were being persecuted. Like our brothers and sisters right now in many places across this world know as they gather under a tree or in a dark basement somewhere with just a candle lit They know the opportunity is there at any moment for people to rush through the door with guns and arrest them or kill them. But they've got to get together because that's where their strength is. That's where their passion is ignited. That's where they're held accountable. You see, there's something that calls us together. And when they come together for one another, they're there to help one another. They're there to be there for one another. Not to pick one another apart? Not to find fault? Or, the shade under my part of the tree is not as cool as the shade under your part of the tree? Fellowship is all about others in our lives. Not about our own wants, not our our own desires. But look, the last part of this says, Look at verse 46, the latter part. They were breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and look, and having favor with all the people. Having favor with all the people. What's that about? When people watch them, sacrificially caring for one another, being integrally engaged in the lives of one another, When the outside world looked and saw how happy and joyful they were, even when their lives were coming apart. How when tragedy happened, they all gathered together. When joyful things happened, they all gathered together. When somebody had a promotion and extra food, they all gathered together. And the lost world was looking at that and saying, I want some When God's fellowship in our individual hearts is spilling out and we're drawn together with one another and we're showing our care and concern and love and devotion to one another, the lost world says, wow. And, and Jesus had something to say about that. Did you know that? Jesus had something to say about it. What did He say? He said, you know what? A new commandment I give you. To love one another. Even as I have loved you. That you love one another. And by this. You loving one another. So intimately and and practically. And sacrificially. By your loving one another. All men will know. That you are my disciples. If you have this love. For one another. So the lost world. Is looking. Is looking, and, and the scripture tells us something really, really interesting. It talks about the fragrance of Christ. The fragrance of Christ. We become, as we sacrificially love one another, we become the fragrance of Christ. When I was a little boy riding the school bus to school in Macon, Georgia, we always drove right past the Marita Bread bakery. Mm. Blocks before you got there, blocks after you went past it, you could almost bite it out of the air. Seemed like nothing smelled so good as that bread baking as we went by the factory every morning. It was something else. The fragrance of that bread was in the air for blocks and blocks around. And just a sniff of it, mmm, puts you in front of a sandwich, all right? What the Bible says is when you and I are so intimately loving one another and caring for one another and sacrificially giving for the enterprise God has called us to be about, this lost world says, that smells like Jesus. I smell Jesus on them people down at First Baptist Church. I smell Jesus on them because they're loving one another and they're standing by their word and they're standing on what the word of God says. I smell Jesus on them. Folks, that's how the loss then is impacted by our fellowship. We don't have fellowship with the world. They don't know Jesus yet. But as we're having real fellowship with one another, it creates this aroma of Christ that drifts all over this community. Folks, is that what folks are smelling around you? I hope so. That's intentional fellowship. So here, let me draw this down and put a bow on it right here. Let me ask you as I've asked you before. What's your plan? What's your plan? You see, if you're going to do anything intentional, you've got to have a plan. If, if, you, want to, if you want to go to a A football game, you've got to make a plan. You've got to buy tickets in advance or you've got to have money to buy it at the door. You've got to fill up the car with gas. You've got to have a route that you're going to get there. You've got to have a plan. So I ask you, what's your plan when it comes to fellowship? I've asked you what your plan is for evangelism. What's your plan for discipleship? What's your plan for ministry? What's your plan for worship? did that last week. What's your plan for fellowship? Okay. What's your plan for fellowshipping with God? Everything has to flow out of this. What's your plan? You know, when you fail to plan, you plan to fail. What's your plan? What's your plan to have fellowship with God? does it look like every morning when you get up? Do you have time set aside that you just spend time alone just you and God? Do you get over the Word and allow Him to speak to you? Do you pour your heart out to Him? If you don't have a relationship with Him, you're not going to have fellowship with anybody else. And if your heart's not overflowing with love and gratitude and joy, how how do you expect to have fun with fellow Christians? What's your plan to have fellowship with God? What's your plan to have fellowship with believers in Christ? Do you plan and intentionally set aside time every week that you gather together with other believers in Christ around the Word of God? We have a lot of opportunities for you to do that here at First Baptist Church. We have our Sunday school. We have Bible study groups that meet during the week. We have something going on all the time. And each and every one of them, you know what they all have in common? When they come together, Jesus is in their midst and real fellowship happens. And I want you to be hungry for that. There's, there's about 30% of those who are sitting here right now today who have not fellowship together in a Bible study group today or even this week. I don't say that in a guilt-inducing way. I say that to say the opportunity, I'm talking to people who, who can have the opportunity to do this, to be engaged in a Bible study group or in a ministry group to where in the name of Jesus you gather together, you magnify Him in your midst and real fellowship happens. What's your plan? What's your plan to fellowship? Because if you don't plan, you're going to fail. Have a plan. Why not have a plan? If you don't know how to do that, talk to me or Derek or one of our other ministers. Let us help you have a plan. Because if we're going to be an intentional church, we've got to be intentional about our fellowship as well. And you know one of the most precious parts of that fellowship, as I draw together, comes from Philippians one verse 3 through 5. Paul writes, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. The sweetest fellowship we have is seeing people come to faith in Christ. The sweetest fellowship we enjoy is seeing people baptized into the family of God. So together, you know what the enterprise we're on? It's sharing the gospel with others. This morning, you maybe have never come to the place in your life that you've recognized that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That you've come to the point that you realize, you know, I've been doing life my own way and I've just made a mess out of it. But I, I really want to give my life to God. I think He can do something in me and through me. I've got to tell you this. This morning, I, as I got up, I went in to shave and my phone was pinging over there. And I had a message. Young man, I hadn't talked to him in 25 years. When I, in my church, he was marginal in the youth group. We'd see him from time to time. He'd come for the fun stuff, you know, but otherwise we wouldn't see him. But he wrote me, read it this morning. He said, Brother Fred, what would you think about a man when he was 12 years old gave his heart to Christ but also felt at that time God calling him into ministry but he was afraid and he was timid he was shy and so he did everything but and he was marginal in his youth group married and had a career and has a family Brother Fed, is there a chance for a 45-year-old man to say yes to the calling God's put on his life to ministry? I wrote him back. I said, Ben, absolutely, unequivocally, call me. Here's my number. You see, he had been just on the outside of fellowship for all of his life. All this time, God is calling him To be integrally engaged. And he's kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And finally he's got to that point that he can't push back anymore. And God's laying claim to him. That's going to be a powerful man of God. I claim him already for that. Maybe you have never felt the call on your life that God wants you to come and be one of his very own children. Say, Brother Fred, I don't even know how to take a first step. Well, the first step is to simply pray. And ask God. Say, God, I I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. I dare to believe when you died on the cross, it was to take my sins upon yourself. When you rose again, it was so I could have your life. Will you come into my heart right now? And be the boss, the king, the controller of my life. You know what Jesus is going to say? Same thing He's ever said to anybody who's ever made that prayer of their own. Absolutely. Absolutely. Will you pray with me right now? Father God, as I bow before you, I want to thank you for the sweet fellowship that we have had here today. Singing in your name and praying in your name and preaching in your name and now responding in your name. Right now we want to say yes to you. Whatever it is you're putting on our heart, we want to say yes. Some here today want to pray that simple prayer and ask you to be the Savior of their life. May they pray along with me right now their words in their heart but meaning it from the depths of our soul. Lord Jesus, I need you. I confess the mess I've made out of my life but I dare to believe that you can set it right. Come into my heart. I give my life to you. I believe You died to take my sins on Yourself and rose again so that I could have Your life come into my heart right now. Be the boss of my life. I give myself to You. Lord, I have no doubt that every person here that's made that prayer their own right this moment has been born into Your family. And we want to rejoice with them. So in these next few moments as we sing this closing song, Lord, do you encourage them to come and take Derek or Tony by the hand and just say, I've, I prayed with the pastor. We want to celebrate with them because they're brand new brothers and sisters in Christ. Others, Lord, may be looking for a church home and they felt in their heart that you're, you're leading them here to put down roots in this place. Father, we encourage them to come. And some may want to come to the altar and just pray. Will you give us that freedom? Lord, this is your time. And we pray in your name. Amen.